It's great to be back in Lawrence, Kansas. Last weekend, Esther and I had the opportunity to go to Indianapolis and speak to the church there. Uh, they sadly have had in their congregation, the world has hit them. They, had, they have had three suicide attempts. Luckily, none were successful, but they just really saw the need to be able to uh, learn how to help each other better. The title of the weekend was Spirituality and Mental Health. Uh, I spoke on Sunday morning. The uh, message was about the gospel, two parts of it. Part one is personal relationship with God. You know, when we have that, it gives us a whole lot more hope than we would have without him. And then second point was uh, that part of that gospel message is personal transformation. So personal relationship with God and personal transformation. When we allow God to transform us, that makes it possible for us to be better equipped to actually help other people. And that's a large part of what the gospel is about. Relationship with God, transformation, and passing it on to other people. Today, the title of my message is Reliable Receivers. You know, from seventh grade through my senior year in high school, I played football. My freshman year at MU, I practiced football. I began in seventh grade as a center. I was moved to tight end, and by my junior year, I became a tackle. Uh, each move was based upon the skill set, or lack thereof, and the needs of the team. As a tight end, I blocked more than I received. In other words, uh, my hands weren't real great. As, I re as, as a receiver, I was okay, but I got my fingers jammed a lot because I didn't keep my hands open enough. I also caught off of my shoulder pads a lot of the time uh, due to my jammed fingers to where I couldn't catch uh, and my poor skill. When you catch off your shoulder pads, that requires the quarterback to be almost perfect in his delivery of a, of a ball. Because, uh, first of all, they got to hit the shoulder pad instead of you got this range of movement to catch the ball. And secondly, you have to have the defensive back far enough away that the quarterback can actually hit you in the chest. So, after a few years of that, they moved me to tackle. <clears throat> you know, the coaching that I received in uh, being a receiver was simply it amounted to run the route, and catch it. That's about all I got. So as a result, I became a much better tackle. As I said, the title for today is Reliable Receivers. Turn your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 2. When Paul wrote this letter, it was toward the end of his life. He's expecting to be put to death soon. And he's writing to a young man named Timothy. Timothy had been his companion on some of the missionary journeys. There were times that Paul would leave him in a city that he would go on and either uh, start or strengthen existing churches. Timothy was sometimes, as a companion with Paul, was used as a messenger to be able to help some of the other young churches know how to remain faithful and to grow. The backdrop of that time period in the world was that Christianity had been introduced as the completion of Judaism. But at this time, also, there were lots of philosophies and theories and uh, worship of other gods, all kinds of different gods. So when the church was established, it wasn't like it is today. It was in an environment that you could look at and go, that was a terrible time and a terrible place. Who thought of that to start a church? And the answer, of course, is that's where God shines most brightly, and he's the one who thought of it. 
But part of what was going on, as Paul wrote to Timothy, was that there were uh, distortions of Christianity that were being introduced. There's Gnosticism and a variety of other isms that I can't pronounce that were taking away from the importance of Christ and replacing it or adding to it other things. So when Paul wrote to Timothy, it was not just an instruction book about how to be a godly man, but it was also an instruction book of how to have a godly church. Timothy was also trained by Paul to a large extent. He was actually left in Ephesus, which was a liberal, immoral, multi-godded city. He was left there to lead the church as a young man. Think about it. Liberal, immoral, multi-godded city. Now that kind of brings us into the 21st century. Very much the same. We could even go so far as to say that's Lawrence, Kansas. When I, used to, when I first took the job here, I used to talk, Esther hated it, but uh, I would talk about how a little bitty Lawrence, liberal Kansas. And really, it's a small city with a lot of sin, a lot of the world in it. As Paul was writing to Timothy, he didn't say, just forget about that and teach. What he says is, make a stand against the false teachings by teaching what is true. Let's pick it up in chapter 2. Of 2 Timothy. I'm just going to read the first three verses here. It says, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Let's read on. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into this. In verse 2, Paul tells Timothy to simply entrust to reliable people. What he's saying is find some really good receivers. When the ball's passed, it doesn't bounce off their shoulder blades, off their shoulder pads. And uh, when it's passed to them and it hits their hands, it doesn't bounce off because they've got their hands wide open instead of like this. He says entrust to reliable people who will be able to teach others. You get this pattern of passing it on. But to pass it on, you have to be a great receiver. What was it that they were to pass on? Well, being true to the text here, what they were to pass on was the truth about Jesus. It was the truth about what it means to have Jesus not just be our Savior, but to be our Lord and our Savior. What he was saying to them was don't just teach doctrinal truth, although you need to teach that. He also tells them to teach the right life. Watch your life and doctrine closely, persevere in them. If you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. What he's saying is, is that not Timothy should you hold on to it and just teach people, but what he's saying is you need to teach people who will teach people who will teach people so that the gospel message can be sound. Not just heard, but it can be solid. It can be sound. He says, pass it on. 
But in order to pass it on, you have to have good receivers so that you don't drop the ball. There are two kinds of people indicated here. There are those who are reliable. That word means to be worthy of trust. You can count on them. What they say they'll do, they do. It's as good as done. Reliable is not perfect, but it's reliable. Reliable is to make sure to do what is needed from you. And here, as I said, it's teaching. We also talk about teaching besides public teaching and preaching as discipling. Being involved in each other's lives to hold people to the truth. Or maybe better yet, to instill in them the truth and help them know how to do it. Anybody can tell a person to repent. That's easy. Intro first day Christian can do that. Well, maybe third day Christian can do that. But to help a person live the life, that's what we call discipling. To teach the good teachings and to teach people not to believe it only, but to believe it enough to do it. Reliable. We trust to reliable people. Would you like to guess what the other kind of people are? Those who are not so reliable. The unreliable. What, what does this look like? Probably all of us, one time or another, maybe some of you right now, inconsistent. It's hard to rely upon an inconsistent person. You know why some, so few people do so much in the church? Because they're most, the most reliable people. When I have something I need to have done, I make the mistake of calling on the most reliable people because it's so much easier than to call those who are available that could become more reliable if they just tried and I just gave the opportunity. But you have to evaluate your own life. Are you reliable right now? If you're not, this is not a pass-fail exam. It's something I really want you to think about to become more reliable. Once, one form, as I've already said, of being unreliable is to be inconsistent. Another is what I would refer to as flexible faith. That's what was going on in the church at Ephesus that Paul wrote to Timothy about, was they had flexible faith, that they were being uh, influenced by the teachings around instead of by what the Word of God had to say or what the inspired apostles had to say. Uh, they would sometimes adjust what they believed based upon their circumstances. Sometimes the circumstances, what they're hearing around them, sometimes it was just the circumstances that they fit their faith to follow what they've got. Very dangerous thing. In the beginning, God created man in his own image. It doesn't say in the beginning man created God in his image. We're to conform to him rather than ask him to conform to us. Amen. Flexible faith is where you don't hold firmly to what God has to say. Not so reliable is where you're distracted or divided. Now let me ask you a question. Which one are you? Now, if you're not sure, ask someone who provides leadership for you. The reality is God wants to be known, and that's what Paul had on his mind, to pass on to Timothy, to pass on to others. God wants to be known. God wants to bless people with his ways. Last week I talked about how one of the ways to be able to be transformed and to actually enjoy being transformed is to do what God says. It's printed about 12 times in the book of Deuteronomy. If you do what I say, it will go well with you. It doesn't say, if you do what I say, I won't kill you. <laughs> what it says, I'll turn my microphone on. Okay, now I've got it on. Um, what it says is, if you obey what I say, it will go well with you. 
It doesn't even say, sometimes it does, I'll bless you and I'll make things better. But part of the time it just says that my way is the right way and that is the blessing, is to do things my way. Now, God wants to be known, God wants to bless his people with his ways. What he needs are reliable, you can count on me, Christians. Not spectators, not agreeers, but you can count on me, Christians. Now, as most of you know, a few weeks ago, Esther and I entrusted our responsibilities as lead evangelists and women's ministry leaders to, very, to two very reliable disciples, William and Katie O'Quinn. They're godly, they're kingdom-first people, they're full of faith, they're righteous, they're sacrificial, and they're reliable. You know, in our working with Willie and Katie over the last 10 years, it's just a joy to work with someone who's reliable when they're asked to do something or that's explained to them, it's as good as done. And if they can't get it done or they don't know how, they ask questions so that they can become reliable rather than being distracted, divided, inconsistent, or flexible in their faith. You know, as we have passed it on to Willie and Katie, Willie and Katie are now to entrust to those of us who are reliable receivers. In some ways, the choice is yours. We can oftentimes think about we're either reliable or we're not based upon our background, our experience, the expectations that have been given to us. But when we become Christians and decide to follow Christ and to strive to be like Christ, the old needs to be done away with, and the new needs to come. Amen. Don't really remember real clearly, but I was brought up in a home where being reliable was taught. I'm not sure I always caught it, though. When I became a Christian, I began to see it's not just about sort of getting the bills paid and having people like you or respect you. I began to see that reliability is one of the ways you're going to change the world. That being reliable, trustworthy, someone that can be counted on is the way that you make a difference. Now, if you're not one of those people by nature, which I had to work at it a lot, then I want to at least plant it in your hearts to strive to become trustworthy, reliable, a part of the solution, a great team player, one that when the ball is passed to you, you don't catch it like this. That hurts. <laughs> catch it like this. You don't catch it like this. You catch it like this. That you're reliable. A reliable receiver. You know, Willie and Katie are to entrust to other people. That's how the message of Christ will be carried through the generations, is if all of us who have what's been entrusted, we pass it on to others. And we talked at times about uh, need to pass on, if you mow the lawn, to pass it on to somebody else. That's valuable. Or if you clean the building or make sure the building is clean, that's valuable. Or if you decorate the building and you're passing it on to somebody else, all that's valuable. But that's not what this text is talking about. I, had a, I, I loved it. I got a call or a text from Jackson probably a month or so ago, and he responded to me to the message I did on this very thing about pass it on, and it's more than about a building. And he, he, uh, he had this conviction after he listened to it. Man, can't I've just been so much about all the mechanical things instead of the spiritual things being passed on. So what I want to do is narrow it from there's so much to do down to there's really one great thing to do. And we need to pass it on. Now, some are likely to pass on some of those things like making sure the building is clean. Part of the reason is because 
they've got things that you might not yet know how to do that they need to be passing on those things also. The point I want to get back to is a narrow focus of let's hold to the gospel and let's pass on the gospel. Now you're probably thinking right, right now, okay, okay, I get it. Uh, I know I'm supposed to be reliable. I'm supposed to pass it on in order for the church to be healthy and to prosper. Let me give you three keys for being reliable, for becoming reliable. Three keys for being reliable. Number one, do what you don't want to do, but that is right. I think it was Harry Truman that said that uh, leadership is getting people to do what they don't want to do and like it. Might have been Eisenhower. He's one of our previous presidents. But anyway, that was off the cuff. I should have looked it up. <laughs> it's hard to look up what comes off the cuff, though, because you haven't thought about it yet. Related to that, doing what you don't want to do is doing what is difficult, but it's the right thing to do. Reliable is not just doing what's easy or what is your skill set. It's developing a skill set. Number two, always be in the process of learning. No one has arrived. As we learn, we will be better receivers. If I had only had a coach that did more than run out there and turn around and catch the ball, if he had taught me how to look it in, how to open my hands, or whatever it is you do, I never got taught. I learned how to, how to block instead. But I, we need to always be in the process of getting more than we've got. That's how you become reliable or more reliable. Number three, key for being reliable is to schedule what you will reliably do. If you don't schedule it, it's unlikely that you're going to do it. Related to that, eliminate distractions. Sometimes we don't schedule it because we just don't have time. Okay, turn to Hebrews chapter 13. As the lead evangelist of the church in the past, I've always avoided reading this text or preaching it. But I'm not it. Now Willie is. So here we go. <laughs> I didn't know anybody was going to laugh on that, but here we go. All right, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7, says, uh, Watch your, the faith of your leaders and imitate, see the outcome of their life, imitate their faith. And then in 17, verse 17 of chapter 13, he says, the new NIV says, Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy and not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. He says, obey your leaders and submit, NIV says, to their authority. Uh, the King James Version says, to their rule, and the New Revised Standard does not use that. So apparently the, the, the Greek... The way it's written in Greek seemed to emphasize this idea of obedience and authority. 
But when he says obey, a loose interpretation of that is let them persuade you. Be persuadable. A leader, the word in Greek, is a guide. So be persuaded by those who guide you and submit or yield to them. Yield to what? Let's just use Will and Katie. Just yield to whatever they want? Just yield to their opinions or how they feel today? No, within the context of the scriptures, yield to the will of God as it's guided by the leaders of the church. Without that, everybody does their own thing. There ain't no unity. In the Old Testament, in Judges, it talks at one point about when there were, were no kings or judges, everyone did as he saw fit. The context is that didn't go so hot. What he talks about is there's a role, there's a place for a leader, and we need to make it a joy to them to lead. Now, I'm just going to let you in on something. People are interesting. People have opinions. People are interesting, and leading people is quite interesting. God does say that there need to be guides. There need to be leaders. There need to be followers is an implication that goes with that. The real question is, what kind of a follower is each one of us? The New Revised Standard Version says, let them guide or lead in a way following that it will be a joy to them. And it says, without sighing. You know what that is? <sighs> now that's the way I disciplined my kids uh, as they were growing up, was all I did was show disapproval or disappointment, and it really hurt their feelings and, uh, a lot, and they sort of tried to either not get caught or they just submitted. But what he's saying in this passage is, Follow in a way that the leaders like leading rather than sighing. The NIV says, and not be a burden. The King James Version says, uh, with, so that they will not grieve. <laughs> <laughs> and the literal word in Greek is without groaning. Now, that's the responsibility of the follower. We need to be a joy be led by other people. Amen. There are three kinds of people indicated here. Those who guide or lead and who also watch or guard. They watch over you, it says. And the word there is guard. So the first category is those who provide leadership. The second category is those who are a, who are a joy to be led. They follow. They submit. They obey. Another way of putting it is they're good team players. If I'd just gotten some coaching as a tight end, I might have stayed a receiver. But I moved to the interior line, which really there's just a couple of responsibilities. You gotta know when the ball is snapped, you gotta know where the ball is going, and you gotta get the guy in front of you out of the way. That's it. Same thing every play. All you gotta do is know where the ball is going, basically, and who's in front of you. But it's our responsibility, all of us, I'd say even Willie and Katie, to follow, to submit, to obey, to be great team players, 
So the first category is those who lead and guard. The second category is those who follow. And the third category, sadly, is those who don't follow very well. To be persuaded or to obey your leader indicates, it does indicate that they're telling us what to do. They're providing direction. A good leader, Willie often talks about this, is you gotta provide the whys instead of just the what's to do. Now, I'm gonna read the three choices again. Those who lead, those who follow, and those who don't follow very well. I choose number one and number two. How about you? I choose number two with Willie as lead evangelist for this congregation. Now he's younger than me. He's probably brighter than me. He's certainly more energetic than me. And he's got a vision and fresh ideas. That's a good thing. We can't just be as we are. It's an opportunity. I choose number two to be a joy to the lead evangelist. I choose number two to follow the Heartland Region Chairman, Vince Hawkins. I choose number two. They're not here today, but I'm in a small group that James Holt and Christina lead. I choose number two to let them lead me. I want to urge all of us to choose to be number two. To choose to be with me, number two. With godly leaders and godly followers, I believe God will do amazing things. Be a great receiver. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we know that you know what is best uh, for every avenue of our lives. God, we know what's best for us collectively. We know that you know what's best for us collectively as your family. God, we also know that our nature is we want to do what we want to do. God, help us to set ourselves aside and to just be great followers, not brainless followers, but great followers who are a joy to those who lead. God, whether it's a small group leader or the lead evangelist of the church or rolls in between, really open our hearts to just want to do it your way, to empower people, to guide and to give us uh, the direction that we need to do great things for you. God, we know that you want to be known. We also know that you want to be a blessing to the people in this world. We also know that many people don't really know you. They don't receive the blessing. They have that hopeless feeling and some to the point of despair of even thinking about uh, not having their lives anymore. God, we live in a fallen world just like Ephesus was. God, I pray that you'd help us to cling. It's not the only solution, but to the solution presented today to be reliable, trustworthy, reliable receivers. Uh, God, thank you for giving us an example of that, of Jesus passing it on to the 12 that weren't all the great receivers but became great reliable receivers. Thank you for the example of Moses passing it on to uh, Joshua 
Thank you for the example of Paul passing it on to Titus and Timothy and uh, Barnabas and many other people. God, thank you for that uh, example that was shown in the early church. God, help us to revive that in this church. God, help us to have hearts that are not about us, but that are about you, your will, advancing your kingdom. God, just help us yield to submit to you. We pray in the name of our Savior, in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.